listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Jasper and talking about adopting during COVID lockdown. Hi Jasper. Hello there. So you, like all of us, have been locked down for months and months, but yours has been a bit more interesting, I think, than mine. So take us back a little bit. When did you decide to adopt? Well, like a lot of people, I think we this we were lucky the second time round with adoption. Um, we first started thinking about adoption. We, we, we look back and it must be about five, six, I think it was about five, six years beforehand. Uh, when we were living elsewhere, we tried to adopt through a local authority. And I'm, I'm sad to say that went disastrously wrong um, and was a really awful experience. And, and But one of the things we found quite comforting is talking to adopters is that that is sadly quite common, it seems, that people often try with one agency and it doesn't work and they get to the right one in the end. So, so it would be now the year before, for last it's so hard isn't it in this time of lockdown time seems to sort of move differently doesn't it but the year before last we made last we made time is weird yes we made a concrete decision uh to adopt and so we went with pact um uh, parents and children together which i'm sure many of your families will know and and we began the process that is very familiar to all of us and and, and one of the um ironies looking back is that Again, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will recognise that um, when you start adopting, people will talk about the social workers will say, well, of course, when the child does come to you, you really should adopt a time of lockdown. You should cut yourself off from the world and just be you bonding with them. And you all (laughs) smile and nod. But, you know, how ironic that (laughs) a year later, the whole world was in lockdown. Yeah, the whole world's doing it with you. (laughs) Yes, yes. So we're perhaps you know, reflecting a bit about how that makes things easier and harder. So we had a fairly standard adoption journey and we had a, a, the second time round with PACT. Everything went very smoothly and we were very uh, lucky to have a good social worker and all the references lined up and we did our uh, voluntary work and all the checks went through and and we you know rattled through things very, very quickly. And actually we slowed down the process down a bit. Um, so that we could have a bit of breathing space around Christmas. And then after Christmas, um, so this would be Christmas, what would be Christmas 2019, we began the process in earnest. And like everybody, we had, you know, with the matching process, we had good times and bad. I do recall the sort of, I think the hardest moment for me was I went to one of these events at Coram Fields, at where the national adoption yes. events where you, you go around and there's all the local authorities and they have the tables with the children waiting for adoption uh, which I'm sure you you've seen and 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 the people listening will have seen and I just because it had been quite an emotional journey getting through all the stages anyway I found that really emotionally overwhelming and I had to go to the toilet and have a little cry <laughs> and then a cup of tea <laughs> Because I, I found that just overwhelming. I understand what you mean. I went to one of those events. They're called um, Exchange Days. And you're right, the social workers just all sit round the edge with um, details of lots of different children on them. And we'd also had 
an adoption that hadn't worked prior to the adoption that did work. And um, although we hadn't got to a stage of a child being placed with us, we had got to a stage where there was one child identified. And that child's details were there. And it was just so hard to see the child that we had said no to after being linked to that child. And it was just so difficult because that child's face was looking out from one of these leaflets. And I just felt appalling that we'd said no. But at the same event were the details of the child who is now my son Mm. and who I now keep muting my microphone because he's running up and down in a really noisy way in the background while we're taping this. (laughs) But, you know, he was meant to be my son. I'm glad he's my son. And so, yeah, I, I know what you mean about those events being really hard. Yeah. So then we went through an, an, an a, again very similar story to lots of people. We we got close with some people with some children, and then they were suddenly withdrawn. And we got down the road, and we actually had a social worker come visit us, and we had to say no to that child, uh, and that was awful. That was absolutely awful for anybody who's listening who who is at that stage. I would say to them you have to have the courage of your convictions and you have to be able to say no, even though it's an incredibly hard thing to do. And we got to the February half term and we planned always to sort of have a sort of a a last gasp holiday. And uh, little did we know that that would be our last holiday before the world went mad. And it was our 10th anniversary. And so we went off to um, Venice um, uh, and we had a fantastic holiday. And just before we'd gone, um we'd identified several children that were possibles for us and um just as we were coming back i think we got a message saying yep yeah, this is this is they're keen to meet you and we left venice one day and then the following day that was when the venice carnival closed and italy went into lockdown so we we felt like we'd escaped very narrowly <laughs> sort of everything we were incredibly fortunate because things, and again, this happens so much in adoption, everything either moves glacially or immediately. And we got back and they said, oh, <laughs> right, uh, okay, this child that you've identified, yet yeah, we're very keen for him to actually, you know, he's, he, he needs to be um, adopted. He's that, that age where he desperately needs to be adopted. Any chance you could go down on Saturday to a meet and greet event that the local authority are running. Uh, so we said, okay, yes, let's go. And w- we went to a village hall in the middle of nowhere, it seemed, uh, and this was the local authority run, and we were greeted by a very nice social worker from that local authority who said, oh, lovely to meet you. Please don't say where you're from, though, because this is really for our adopters. <laughs> but they'd identified that this child was unlikely to be adopted by somebody within their area. But so we we just had to sort of yes. desperately not say where we were from. <laughs> but uh, we were very very uh, so so we had of course it was one of these meet and greet events where it's all the children from the local authority and all the adopted parents are, are, are invited. And again, I'm sure you and others are familiar with that. And we had this one child in mind, and, and before we went in, the social worker said, now, make sure you play with every child, you know, talk to every child. And I said, no way, we're going for the one we, you know, we know. And so we sort of hung around on the door very naughtily and sort of leapt on this child as they came in and said, oh, hello. 
nice to meet you. What's your name? Sort of thing. And and we 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 made made sure that we 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 spent time with the child and with the foster carer and with the social worker who were all there um, on our very best behaviour. And 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 we thought, well, that's really positive. That's really great. And and we feel very enthusiastic about this. And we got very positive feedback from uh, everybody. And then it, I think it was, I think I'm right in saying that it was about, it was that week that suddenly everything got really serious in March. And, and we thought, and, and suddenly the world started closing down and both of us were sort of, you know, trying to cope like everybody else with our jobs and moving everything online. And we thought, well, this is never going to happen now. This is, that's it. That's blown it out of the water. But the social workers met and, and as always, it takes, it it took another fortnight for them to get into the same room together, (laughs) the right social workers. So that was a bit nerve wracking, but they said, no, this needs to happen. The child needs to get out of, we need them out of this foster care placement and they need to be uh, uh, they, they need to be placed so we want to press ahead we don't know how this is going to work we don't know ha- how it's going to happen but it needs to happen and, and and so they said right let's let's do it and they they started talking about plans and about uh, we had um, placement meetings i've forgotten all the terminology it seems so long ago um <laughs> all via facetime um and and of course it was imme- i mean we didn't know any different but it was very difficult because we couldn't we were not physically allowed to visit um this child in their home we were not allowed to do all the things that would normally happen uh, and particularly because the foster carers were shielding because they their health they were vulnerable because of their health right so in hindsight, we were very lucky to have met Tommy in person, once at least. But then everything had to be done virtually. So the intros, the meetings with the foster carers, the meetings with uh, the school, meetings with everybody. And, and it was hard because the foster carers were struggling with the technology, like many of us at the beginning of lockdown, but they particularly so. Um. Mm. And when eventually the, the 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 transition period was agreed, it was agreed that it would all be done virtually. It would be done remotely over phone. And none of us, none of us knew, none, the social workers or us or the foster carers knew how this would happen and how it would work and how Tommy would cope with it all. And yeah, I, absolutely. I, I just, I, I I can remember. After, so we agreed the first day that you know, this was going to happen. It was going to be a two-week transition period like usual. And, and usually, as you know, with transition periods, you do little visits, little visits, bigger visits, bigger visits, and then you're spending whole days and you're taking the child out. That, of course, simply was not possible. Yes. And so that first time we rang, and we're both there at the kitchen table, Stuart and me, looking at our laptop, ringing the foster carer's phone and the foster carer answers and we see her face and we 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 know her and she says okay let's go for it and she brought the phone down and there was Tommy sat there with a dinosaur I seem to recall Mm -hmm. 
And <laughs> I just I just thought, what on earth are we doing? This poor kid, what does what what yes. what does he think is happening? How old was he? He he was four. He was four at the time. Mm. And we just so we just began saying, Oh, hello there, Tommy. How are you? Oh, what have you got there? What what are you doing? What did you have for breakfast? Thank the Lord, he responded and he continued to respond to it all. And in hindsight, I think he was, we think he was quite desperate for attention. He wanted adult attention. Right. And I think that helped because if he got it through a screen, that was fine. And so we started doing where we would call him in the morning and then call him in the afternoon and sometimes we'd join him for lunch and it was it was blooming hard work because all of us know what zoom is like when we're grown-ups and, and and facetime and all the rest of it and we're getting pretty sick of it now i think um <laughs> but with a four-year-old you know it was just so hard but we we we, we persevere and then we were able we did we did two visits and the first one went quite well because what we were allowed to do was go to Tommy's house and we were able to be on the driveway and Tommy was allowed to be in the porch. And of course, this was the height of the lockdown and, and it was on quite a busy road. We thought, what are people going? Are we, are we, are we going to have the police? <laughs> so there yeah. was Tommy just, in, just inside the porch. Uh, with his foster carer and there was us outside and fortunately Stuart is an artist and so we bought an easel and and some paper and we did some he did drawing for for Tommy and Tommy could say because Stuart's really fortunately he's an artist he's really good at drawing he would say now what do you want what should we what should we have he said oh I want a dinosaur and what's the dinosaur doing or eating a car and with a volcano and things like that so we did drawing (laughs) we engaged with him but it, it was it was like sort of talking across the great divide because we had to maintain a two meter social yeah. distance at all times. And then I read him a story, and and then we went had to go home. And it, it just did seem absolutely bizarre, but it was good to see him in person at least. <laughs> so uh, that was fortunate. But the second time we did it was hilarious, and, and Toby still talks about this. So you did this process of standing on the driveway drawing pictures and reading stories into the house which you're absolutely right that is really really unusual I mean it's hard enough at the best of times mm. um and then does that mean that when your child came to you was the first time that you'd been physically in the same room or at any point were you allowed to be during that introduction period the only time we were in the same room was when at that meet and greet event um and that's why I said I was so lucky that we were so lucky in hindsight that we had that event because if we hadn't, we would never have been in the same room. That's incredible. So how did they manage handing the child over to you then? Well, I'll just tell you first about the second event where we were outside. So we were stood outside. Oh, go on, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so we did the same again. We set, uh, Stuart set up the easel and uh, we did, but of course it was a windy day. And so we were setting things up and, and everything, all the paper just blew down the road. The easel blew off. The books were blowing away. And, and Tommy thought this was the most, the funniest thing ever. And as I say, he still talks about it. 
But um, at, at that point, we thought this is just ridiculous, and we said, <laughs> we said, look, we've gone as far at the regular feedback sessions with the social workers. We said, look, this has gone as far as it can go on virtual. We're just going to have to make the leap now. And so it was agreed that there would be just this moment of decision and, and it was just going to happen. And that was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Because it, so it was all agreed. And it was agreed that we do it, uh, the foster carer suggestion, after breakfast. So we did it first thing in the morning. And yes, we had done some transfers of toys and things. So the, the, the foster carer had left those outside and we'd taken them. Um, so his toys and some of his clothes were here already. And then we took a few other things with him. But then on the morning, so the foster carer and Tommy are inside the house. We're stood outside. The social worker, and of course, as these things always happen, the social worker didn't know Tommy. It was a new social worker. <laughs> So she was, she rightly said, look, I'm not going to confuse the situation here by introducing myself at this time. And so she's down the road observing, uh, as she has to under the law, you can't just let children wander off. And and it was like, the, the only <laughs> analogy I could give is like, it was like a spy exchange from the from the Cold War. <laughs> so, so the foster carer gave Tommy a sort of last final big hug. And then she just gently pushed him out the door and he walked the two metres to us and we sort of took him in our arms and, 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 and that was it. And it was, and that was the transfer. And then we put him into our car, waved goodbye, and then we drove back to our house with the social worker following us in the car. So again, it felt like a spy thriller. Yes, I bet. Gosh, and I mean, for for your child, that's it's about as hard as introductions can get, I would imagine, for a child. I mean, whether he was able to communicate that in any way or or what he understood about that. How were things once you got him home? It it was fine. We had a honeymoon period of about thirty six hours, <laughs> which is quite usual. He reacted, <laughs> and and and. I think like like a lot of adopted children, he was very scared, and but he wanted to please. He was desperate to please. And so on the journey back, yeah. he just talked nonstop, nonstop about everything. And as has happened since, sort of memories began tumbling out, these jumbled up memories of his birth family and of his foster carer, you know, cars going past. Oh, Daddy had a car like that. Or, 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 or one time the AA came. So these very distinct memories. So it all came tumbling out, and he came into our house, and and for twenty four hours everything was okay. He was, I forget all the terminology now, but he complied. So he 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 knew how he he had to behave, and he had to be on best behaviour for us. And then after about yes. 36 hours, that wore off and we began to get, uh, quite dramatically, we got real rage outbursts. And there began a period of about, you know, several weeks of wrestling for control. It was all about control and about being directed to do things. 
and 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 of course that all came out of insecurity and uncertainty i'm sure of course but how did you cope during interestingly that? lockdown national lockdown helped because we had no obligations to be anywhere do anywhere anything or, or just be uh, in the world at all so we could just concentrate entirely upon tommy the only way we got through it was by being completely united on everything by backing each other up entirely and by giving each other breaks yes but you must have it must have been hard for you to give each other breaks when at the moment there's nowhere to go there's nothing to do so it's all very well kind of having a break and walking the streets but it's not really the same is it as being able to have a break and go for a coffee or even go out to the park or go out to soft play or anything else it's a change of scenery just to see anything but the four walls I think lockdown could drive any of us a bit crazy and I it just seems to me such a difficult way to begin yes. I mean it's hard for us to say because of course we don't know any better and we were we were lucky because of the weather at that time many of us will look back at those halcyon days of early lockdown with all the good weather so we were able, we <laughs> yeah. were able just to walk the streets a bit and it was quite nice or head out to the park or hide in a bedroom and barricade ourselves in a bit it was hard though and like all parents and all adoptive parents it has been hard throughout lockdown not to have those simple moments of of, of relief I must say I, I, I have a very clear memory of during just before Christmas when we were allowed into other people's houses briefly if you recall that time um, we went yes. to a friend of ours <laughs> house and she was great with Tommy and we had a walk around the park and then she made pizzas with him and we sat on the sofa, Stuart and I, and within 10 seconds we'd fallen asleep. <laughs> and I recall that was the first time somebody yeah. else had looked after Tommy for us. In, in, and, and that's been pretty much the only time in this year. So it, it, in hindsight, yes, it has been <laughs> hard. <laughs> I think we can safely say your parenting journey is going to get really easier than so. it has been. <laughs> what about extended family um, and your friends meeting him? How did you That's manage been that? Hard. Um, and it wasn't as we imagined. You know, we had this idea of what we could do uh, with him um, and how it would be lovely to meet him. People have met him, most people have met him virtually, and that in some senses is a safe space for Tommy, because of course people aren't actually there and it's just a screen, but of course it's also very unreal, and I, uh, and at the minute we're going through this situation where I think now that Tommy begins to associate Zoom with social workers and um, TheraPlay, and we could talk about having TheraPlay by zoom later perhaps but we did we managed to introduce him slowly to family and to sort of try and establish relationships but that has been hard to maintain that consistency because of the latest lockdowns the one thing yes. i would say that on reflection for us that might be 
helpful to others going through this is that lockdown has been very hard for us as parents. But Tommy has really enjoyed it, I think. And even when we've begun to come out of lockdown and have these times of greater freedom, Tommy will always say that the thing he enjoys most is time at home with Daddy and Papa. And he will always opt for that over pretty much anything, apart from going to the park with his best friend from school. And I think that is something that we needed to hear and, and, and perhaps is something we underestimate as to how scary the outside world is for adopted children and how much time they actually need at home just bonding as a family unit. Yes, I can see that. I can see that that enforced lockdown has made you nest together in a way that mm. you couldn't have done otherwise. And we would have chosen differently. We would have, you know, we, we, we've heard all the lessons about not introducing people too quickly and all the rest of it. But I think we would have pressed harder and introduced more friends and done a bit more with family. But I think, I think he preferred this and it's given him greater security. I can see that that could work for a child who's new to a new family, you know, that period of just being together. So it's a really unusual time. And I guess that you will be part of a group of adopters who had such a different journey to all of the rest of us. I wonder, given that we're still in lockdown at the moment, albeit with the potential for it to lift, I wonder what your advice would be for people who are in the process at the moment or perhaps heading towards introductions at the moment anyone who is you essentially what would you advise very hard to say i'm trying to think of wise words of wisdom to sorry uh, let's think <laughs> i would say do not underestimate how challenging this will be one of the mistakes we made early on was that we tried to work until the last minute because we both had quite demanding jobs and it was so challenging and so time-consuming and so consumptive of our energy, and, and even more so during lockdown, that you need, if, if at all possible, adoptive parents need to allocate as much time as possible to being at home supporting each other, or single adopters need to have even more in place those support networks because it is just so grueling without any of the sort of support that you might have in, in normal times with wider family and such like it is going to be challenging but on a more positive note I would say it can be done it can be done and if if it's the right match if it's the right child then it will work and there are challenges and hiccups and road bumps along the way, but it can work. And tell me something that you're looking forward to once lockdown lifts, once we're allowed to resume something resembling normal life anyway. What's something that you'll do as a family that perhaps you haven't We are been looking able forward to, to seeing more of family and friends, of course. The thing that's really getting us going, it, well, it, it, also just like simple things like a day trip out and a visit to Portsmouth and to see the ships or London or something 
to a museum, anything rather than standing in a freezing cold playground, I must say. The thing that's really exciting us is our <laughs> holiday. We we have booked, we've gone against all the advice and we've booked a, a holiday in Wales. Um, and, and, and we had a really positive experience of a family holiday last year. Um, in the middle, in the middle, you know, in that lockdown period in August when we were able to go out. And Tommy just loved it. We went to West Wales and we went to a different beach every day. And it was appalling weather, as so often in Wales. But Tommy just loved it. And he loved being away and he talks about the cottage <laughs> all the time. And we're going to almost exactly the same place again this year. So we can talk about it. And Tommy keeps talking about it and all the things he's going to do and being on the beach. And that's that's really sustained us. And I think having something positive to look forward to that's not too ambitious, but is exciting for everybody is just vital. That's lovely. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank my guest today, Jasper. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea. Thank you.